Bitcoin Podcast, episode 204. I am your first host, Marcello. I'm your second host, Corey, because D's not here. So I get to second place today. So, ha. Ah. Yeah. And this is kind of a, a special episode where we're we're not going to have too much of a roundtable. I think we're just going to have a, a, an open forum discussion with Krista Rose concerning, um, you know, diversity in blockchain. You know, do we do we need it? Do we uh are we ahead of the times? What does it take? Does it matter? Yeah, stuff like get, that. We get into like a lot of real diversal diversity racial issues. It's not I mean, it, it, these these have some type of it of course has some type of tie in back to crypto. I would say the majority of our conversation is not about that, but we tie it back a few times around and it's important to kind of talk about that kind of thing because like the same issues do play a role here. Not, of course, you don't come up with any solutions because race is way bigger than the crypto, right? And the, and the importance yeah. of inclusion is way bigger than crypto. But the, just that overall general idea of inclusion and what that means and why people act the way they do, I think it, it ends up being like a really interesting, productive conversation. It was good. It was good. Well, before we get into that, uh, I just want to say that we're we're sponsoring Token Market 2018. It's a two-day conference, June 28th through the 29th, that will cover a wide variety of topics, during which we'll hear from leading VCs, innovators, and legislators, such as Vinay Gupta, good friend of the show. He's been on many times. Uh, you can hear views on the current global blockchain ecosystem and the growing token economy from the world's leading thought leaders in the industry. And it takes place at the Sunborn, which is a five-star yacht and hotel in Gibraltar. Gibraltar. Very exotic place. Gibraltar. Yeah. Perfect location for networking. What, what what country is that a country or is that a city in a it's country? Like, it's the Rock of Gibraltar. It's like a it's like a country, isn't it? It's like the Bank of Gibraltar. I'm not that well cultured. Let's Google it on the air. <laughs> yeah. It is a country. Yeah. You're right, the rock. That's, that's where the rock of Gibraltar is. Gibraltar. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, very it's, interesting. It's well, it's the perfect that's... location for networking because you're on a yacht in a very exotic location. Yeah. They're really open to, uh, they have like an open banking system or some type. The banking system is very open to the cryptocurrency space. Oh, very cool. So it's like a, they're open minded. It's an informal environment. So you can, uh, you can head on over to tokenmarket.net slash conference hyphen 2018 slash register to buy your tickets. And you can use TBP15 and you will receive 
off and they do accept token payments. So you can use TBP15 and you will receive 15% off and you could be on a yacht with Vinay Gupta. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, buddy. That's a five-star yacht. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I would go on a two-star yacht. I'd, I think that would be... I'd go on whatever is, is allowed to be called a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we go into Crystal Rose, is there anything you want to say about consensus? Or, or you, it's out of your system. You're good. I mean, I feel like the conference overall has become an executive-level conference. So the purpose of going there is either to sell something or like find somebody to buy what you're, what you're, what you're, what you've made or to get a high level idea of what's going on in particular towards enterprise slash executive level. Um, it's, it didn't seem that much for developers. Um, but if you have a product, it's a good place to be, to get a lot of attention because you know, there's like what, eight, 9,000 people walking around. It's expensive. It's going to be a, I don't, I don't know what your budget is, but if you're a smaller project, probably a good significant portion of your budget. I didn't find it that useful because, I mean, this is what we do, right? We've been we've been looking around at the space, talking to people, interesting products, movers and shakers the entire time. So it, it wasn't that interesting for me because I had already seen a good portion of what was going on. I mean, then again, to say, like, there was still a lot of stuff that I had never heard of. And I didn't have the time because there was so much there to figure out all of the things there without maybe like, I would have gone brain dead if I would have tried to do that. There's so much stuff. Well, were you, I guess it was more valuable for you as Corey, the bot employee than Corey, Corey Petty, independent learner and thinker and researcher, I guess. I don't know. It, yeah, I guess that's, I mean, it's interesting to see what other enterprises are doing to see where we stand. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's my I don't I don't like being around that many people so often with people trying to sell me stuff as a, like a general person. So yeah. regardless of what I'm embodying as I as I go there, it's overwhelming. I prefer the smaller dip, like developer conferences, smaller, more like intimate conferences where you can have conversations and not only talk at service level. That being said, I talked to the Kadena people. Who I had on hashing it out, and they were, they were great. Saw a lot of their stuff. Yeah, I, I like hashing it out because I mean, really talking to the legitimate people there. So, and it, not only is it, uh, yeah, not only is it a high technical conversation, but you're you're spotlighting the legitimate companies. So I know whenever there's a person on hashing it out, I know they're legit. There's a thing though, is that like eventually, we'll probably have someone on that's not legit, but the line of questioning that we go through will more often expose them because if they're not able to like withstand the questioning that we have, that it should be obvious that they're not legit because we're not going to like placate to certain things, mm -hmm. but so far so good. We've been really happy with the quality of the types of things, types of people we've had on that show. Good show, man. All right. That's good. All right. Well, sponsors? uh, no, we're good. Without further ado, we can just jump right into it. It's a it's a good eighty to ninety minute conversation with uh, Mr. Chris DeRose, and the first time we've linked up with him, so it's a long time coming. Also, yeah, if you didn't, if you would prefer to watch this, um, you can go to his his YouTube channel and watch it. And so he basically recorded the whole thing, so you can see us, hear us. It's the same conversation. It's about what an hour and a half long. Yeah, it's in the show notes, and also it's on his channel. Um, as well. 
And um, yeah, it's good stuff. Here it is. What's up, party people? This is Chris DeRose, and we are going to tackle such a difficult subject today. One of my favorite subjects, a controversial one. I don't know what's going to happen yet. Do I step in a quagmire? Do my guests, in fact, welcome our guests from the Bitcoin podcast, Dimitric, Cello, Corey, and Dylan. Guys, welcome to Bitcoin Uncensored. Hey, what's up? What's up? How's it going? Glad, yeah. so, glad to finally be on here. Yeah, we, we should have collaborated on something in the past, but you know, I put a call out on Twitter. I wanted to tackle something hard. I wanted to de-risk it for the audience, and I, I was kind of bored too. You know, I was. I'll admit it. It was a slow news day. And you guys showed up, you took the bait, and I commend you for that. So here we are. Uh, I'm going to cut right to it, just get right to the heart of it. Why should anybody have a race? Like, why do we need this? Like, what is it that its function provides? Go. I'll go ahead and start mm. here. I'm going to start from, from mm -hmm. a, a, a privileged white perspective here. Sure. Uh, right. I've always felt that humans in general are tribal in nature. And it's very easy to kind of create tribes by hating somebody else, gathering around the hatred of something else or, or separating yourself, us versus them mentality. And geological reason, regions have naturally made it easy to do that. And throughout time, we've basically just said, you know, we're this race because we're localized in this one place. And we've kind of evolved that way. And so that just becomes kind of this second nature of how we do this back end us versus them mentality of gathering, gathering, gathering together in tribes. Now, with the internet and how it's basically allowed us to communicate or expand our worldview very quickly, we're starting to see some of those kind of preconceived notions break down because we're able to have experience in a lot of different cultures simultaneously really quickly, whereas previously we never really had something like that. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good introduction to it for, you know, for me, I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I think more specifically though, it's like, I don't even know necessarily how you can tell race in many cases. So like somebody comes to me, right. And like, for most people, they're going to be shaking their head. They're going to be like, oh, you look at the color of their skin, but like, it's not necessarily that easy. There are people who are of a black race who don't have black skin. And so like, I'm wondering to myself, I'm like, well, why then use this? term why not just make it like the people with brown eyes and, and then you kind of get to this thing like okay per your point why is it that people centered around skin particularly in 2018 obviously there's a history there but can't we just like throw it out and just be like okay this is a brown-eyed person and it seems like if we go that route with things we solve all kinds of problems because then you know like these difficult issues around uh, ethnicity and IQ. Oh, so dangerous. So dangerous. Uh, it goes out the window because now you have to deal with like IQ and eye color, which I've never seen that stat anywhere. I don't, I don't know. Maybe people with blue eyes are kind of dumb and like, I don't know, maybe they're not, but maybe the irreverence around the subject is what gets people to stop focusing on trivial things such as skin color or not, as might be the case with the people with the brown eyes. What do you guys think? Um, I think that one, I think it's cyclical, like it's, it's uh, trivial natures is cyclical. Like, you know, obviously in an ideal world, race is not an identifier. Um, race is not a big deal. 
because, you know, biologically we're the same, except for like the skin change thing, the skin, the skin color thing. So in an ideal world, um, race is not a thing. But I mean, anybody could tell you that in the real world, things aren't ideal. There is gravity. There is friction. There's all sorts of forces that go into play in the real world and in the world we live in. Unfortunately, um, race isn't something that you can just ignore. I don't think you can just you can't just ignore it. I mean, certain people have the luxury of, but certain people don't. And I think it's just a harsh reality of the world we live in. So instead of um, trying to throw everything out the window and and put everyone on the same palette, what you can do is accentuate the the positives from the different groups of people and how either they or the outside world choose to identify them. But you can't just throw it out the window. That'll never work. Because if we take the word race and what defines it and try and throw that out the window, we're just going to make up some new word. I definitely that's the one we were using. Here's, that's though. the thing. See, that's I, I agree with that. I feel like people, it's, it's, in my experience, like you got to make things funny. If you make things funny, you can advance policy, and you can and you can advance it in ways that oftentimes, like just just make it easy for people. So, like I I don't know. Like the thing about so you can. It seems to me that like we have to choose as a society what to be willfully ignorant about when we're dealing with this issue. Because we can be willfully ignorant about like statistics on crime, or we can be willfully ignorant about uh, inclusion in a group. And it seems like the latter is both funnier if you do it right, and less offensive if you do it right, and more forward thinking if you do it right. And so for me, I've been debating whether or not to like pursue that route. So like here, let's try it out. Ready? Um, I personally no longer identify as a white man. I am now identifying as an orange man. And like, well, that itself isn't necessarily a funny joke. You can run with that under like the pretense of play. And, and it gives people the opportunity to declare an ethnicity for the purposes of testing this stuff out. And uh, I think de-risking like the sensitivities on it, reducing the intolerance. Because like, I don't know, when I'm, when I'm around people who are of like different like multiracial things and such, like it's usually oftentimes funnier IRL than it seems to be online and in a professional workplace. And, it, and it's not to say that you pick jokes at people based on stereotyping. It's just that, like you play games of like maybe irreverence. And it seems like, like that brings people closer. Is that your experience or am I way out of line on that? What do you think? I, I feel like um, the only reason race is, is, a, is a thing that people should consider these days is the stereotype that goes along with that race. And which in terms of like, I don't know, the, the Bayesian viewpoint they're more probabilistically likely to have been exposed to certain types of scenarios in social culture because of the reality that we live in that D just talked about. So, I mean, stereotypes are there for a reason because they're more often than not, there's a high probability that people act a certain way if they belong to a certain race because of maybe situations outside of their control. But, like, and that's the reason why I think we play race so much is because we can't, we have to, you're right, we have to be willfully, willfully ignorant about something. We have to then make decisions based on stereotypes or probabilities of situations. And when we take that too far, you end up with like the extreme case of that is racism where you say, I, black people act this way. Therefore any black person I meet will act this way. And 
like there's there's a fine line between these things because there are certain racial backgrounds where people are exposed to certain situations because of something like institutional racism that's outside of their control. So there, you can't just throw it all away. Like being a person that identifies as an orange person doesn't mean anything in a social culture where there is no experience of orange people. Well, I can, yeah. I can create the orange identity and I can, I mean, this gets into the question of whether or not you pick your identity, which is also a lot of fun because like online, for example, um, Here's here's one that's like personal to me that I, I kind of enjoy at times and I really don't at times. Um, the Jewish identity. When uh, a lot of the anti-Semitism was trending, I was having to defend the Jewish identity for, I guess, Jewish people, which is strange because I'm really not that Jewish at all. I like, I'm, I'm secular. I don't go to synagogue. I've been to synagogue. Like, sure. Like, I have a Jewish heritage in my family. But any, like, real Jew would look at me and be like, okay, that's not a real Jew. His name is fucking Chris. And, and that's true. But then like society calls on you and because you're on camera through no real fault of your own, you get labeled and now you have to like defend the Jewish identity. So that puts you in between this like rock and a hard place where like uh, you are beholden to members of a tribe at which you have only a loose affinity. And at the same time, you are the representative uh, of which you are the authority to the majority group. And so like... If if that notion were understood by more people, I think it would go a long way because I don't know, like, how does it, how does it work then? Like, I don't think white people really have this in the sense that like nobody competes for whiteness, though it could be said that maybe like, I don't know, like blonde, blue eyed, tall people do at some level or have historically. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what makes that for me, that's what that makes the whole thing kind of like flippant is, is that. Is that like you don't get to pick your ethnicity at times, or if you do, then you get to define it. So like being orange allows me to do that. And I can say anything mm -hmm. I want about the orange identity and no one's going to call me out on it. Save for maybe uh, we, we now have an orange man for president. It's a big movement for uh, it's, it's a big part of our of our culture. Now we're very proud of that as orange people. Um, yeah, a big step forward us. for the orange I mean, folk. Yeah. I I'm going to get opinionated here, I guess, Russell, Please ruffle do. some feathers, but I, for one, think choosing your identity is kind of like a byproduct of a very affluent society. I think a society that's been going decades now without survival in its purest form being something that is pushing to, like we, what we overproduced by 60% the food in our country, like that's not survival. Usually you're, you know, for the greater majority of humanity's existence, finding food was tough. Like that's a basic survival need. And now in this century, in the last two centuries, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. We've got food out the ass all over the place. I don't really understand global hunger. It's a thing, but there's so much food everywhere. So I think when you, when you start like taking away that root need of survival, you start getting some byproducts and some emergent properties, one of them being choosing your identity. But then again, to boil it back to race is that like, if your skin is clearly different than other people's skin, you don't get to choose your identity. There's a lot of outside factors that have told the, the world has basically said, this is your identity. And guess what? You have different identities in different situations and you really don't have a choice. I think that you said um, there's no competition to be white because white is like the visa race. Like they don't need to advertise. Everybody knows what visa is. Everybody knows it's dank. So it's like <laughs> it doesn't, you don't have to you don't have to compete 
to, if you're white, it's just like you're white. Cool, you lucked out. You got you started a little you further. You won the lottery. In the bracket. You you won the genetic lottery. So there's no competition to be white. Um, I don't well, know. It's, it's, it goes back to that kind of like there's no reason to rally around the experiences that probabilistically happen to those people, right? Like black dudes give other black dudes head nods when things happen in their yeah. culture yeah. that other people wouldn't quite understand. I've seen it happen. I, you, know, you know what I mean? It's like we, white dudes don't do like good white job, like, you know, good white thing you just did there because we're, we're not really <laughs> rallying around a, a history of experience. There's no need for us to do that really because the history has, has you know, we've always been kind of uh, like in power or a, a majority in that sense. So I, I, I think it all boils down to like just hit like historical culture and what you're rallying around so that you can, you can reinforce that us versus them mentality to make yourself feel special. Like any of this stuff, anybody, anytime somebody makes a decision to do something like this is because they want to belong to a group or feel more special than they already do. Nobody who actually has serious problems gives a shit about what people think about their race, unless it's a product of racism. Well, something I, I would also throw out there. It's a contentious opinion, maybe. I, you know, Dimitri would point out that the degree of affluence that we have sort of creates a, a you know, a fine point on some of these issues. And, and I totally agree. What has seemed to be the case to me in society is that, like, the things that are generally inhibiting people of a given race are often like not discussed, or are often the things you can't discuss. Or like even worse. So like it seems to me very political, not positive. I'm not an expert, but like it seems like a lot of the incarceration stuff is really what's holding back black people in America. And, and I think that when like you look in the professional environment, people focus on like these things that perhaps are significantly divorced from the realities of like what might actually be occurring on a macro level for any given subset of the population. And in doing so, my concern is that they trivialize like the bigger issue and make the bigger issues worse. Um, and and I and I get it because I think people want to like signal signal to people that they want, I don't know, to accommodate them in any capacity, but they kind of do like more damage than good at You're times. Talking like social justice warriors and they're you know, Yeah. It's it's like it's like the race baiting thing, you know? Like, okay, like let's say you have the nation's attention on like what we can do about genuine tragedy in this country as it affects like low socioeconomic people uh in tough neighborhoods who do happen to have brown eyes. Well, like we could do something with that. And instead people will maybe focus on like, I don't know, just, just some nonsense crap at the workplace that is very nice to do, probably cool. But at the same time, like maybe does that cause resentment with other people who like don't understand what the real issue is? That's the thing that in like my head, like it, it, I'm kind of returning to, I'm like, are we really doing a service here when we do some of these like nonsense things? Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that um, like, you want to weigh in? Yeah, to weigh in. Well, Oh, to the incarceration point that you made is like, yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> um, that's as institutionalized racist as it gets, and this country is not good about it. Um, and a lot of people don't understand systemic racism, um, and it's tough to understand um, because it's system-wide. So like almost, we love crypto, almost every node is infected with some little strand of it. Um this country has got a bad history of specifically incarcerating the shit out of black males um, for reasons that don't meet the crime, 
um, you know, over policing all kinds of things. And, you know, you do that for a very long time and there's going to be all sorts of ripple effects on that group within that society. Right. Um, of course. so when it comes to, yeah, that is the number one thing. And that's, what's been the big fight for the past, I guess, socially, sociologically, that's the fight since ever since, um, guy in, um, St. Louis kind of started, no, it was actually in Florida. Trayvon Martin started that whole ripple effect of like, wait a second, is it okay? You could just kill black dudes, I guess. Um, and it kind of exposed that, but then you see how institutional and systemic the problem is, where as soon as the group of people was like, hey, let's focus on, you know, Black Lives Matter, that's an important thing. The entire country pretty much was like, hey, wait a second, all lives matter. Fuck what you heard. That's stupid. And we're like, no, we get that. But what you don't get is that, like, apparently. Can we cuss on the show? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, man, it's yeah. called Bitcoin Uncensored. <laughs> I can say Touché. whatever the fuck I want. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yes, so that's what systemic racism does. And that's something like I, you know, spin it right back is like, I can't control the color of my skin, man. And so if I just so happen to be out late one night and like I run into one of those bad cops, like I don't get a warning and I better not be holding the phone. And so that's that's why it's funny. It's like we this whole thing started with the race, and can we just throw it out the window? And it's like, unfortunately, in the reality we live in, we'll never be able to fully throw it out the window. And we and as we become more affluent, and as there are different byproducts of that uh, affluence, um, we have to be conscious of it. I mean, do you do you it's feel, just, Chris, that people could eventually get past race? I mean, I, I personally don't because there's always going to be that subset of people that are like, no, nah, fuck that. You need to remember what happened to us. Oh, I totally do. And there's a couple of easy reasons why I think this. <laughs> and again, I can't speak for all white people. I can only speak for the orange people. Okay. So this is the orange opinion. Um, first off, the thing about Black Lives Matter that I think probably went poorly is, is number one, I you know, I think that like you have to consider that like a lot of people end up in America having had nothing to do with the history from prior to their arrival. So like when they get lumped in as having been a precursor like agent, I think that breeds resentment and, and understandably so, because like, I don't know, for example, maybe uh, you just, you come from like Italy or maybe you, uh, you know, you arrived at the turn of the century or maybe, uh, maybe your, your heritage is one of like fighting for the North in the civil war. And then you get kind of pissed because like you have to answer for the sins of fathers that weren't even yours. Um, so I, I think that like the problem with some of the like abject in your face promotion is that it requires guilt to be borne by people who wouldn't really have a claim to that guilt. And then rather than accept that guilt, uh, they resent the movement. Whereas like, conceivably to me, at least the movement could have been focused perhaps um, on less like incendiary accusations and, and gone from there. Now it's easy for me to say, and I, you know, DLM has as much, control over the words of its adherence as we do over Bitcoiners. And I get that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, more to the point where like people can get over it. Like, you know, America's always been a, mel a melting pot. So like when my grandparents got married here, like, I think you know, one was a Jew, one was a Catholic. And like, I'm told that was like a big deal at the time. And it ain't nobody give a fuck nowadays. And my presumption is that it'll probably happen with skin color too. And, and frankly, one of the other things I think is missing from the BLM platform is like the presumption that people of orange skin can't have multiracial kids. 
And it's conceivable that like that opinion would matter a lot as well in the discussion. And I see time and time again where people uh, generally on this sort of intolerant left will throw you out the, the door under like this pretense that you can't possibly have a horse in the game. And, uh, and, and like the pretense that you have to have a horse in the game even to care about uh, people of other races is also a bit insulting. Uh, in that, yeah. like, you know, it presumes that, like, we're not all here at at least a fairly like, high socioeconomic educated level towards some degree of civility as the population is run. So, like, that would be my experience for whatever that's worth. And I am authorized to speak on behalf of the orange people. So it's the official <laughs> opinion of the orange ethnicity as well. Now yeah. I can, we meet another orange person. I could say I have an orange friend. Yeah. Now you can, so talk about, you can talk about orange people all you want and identify with them because you have an orange friend. I have an orange friend. So um, I, I see this. I see this. I don't know. I approach everything from a perspective of mathematics typically. And maybe I'll, I'll use it in crypto, like crypto terminology is that more often than not, people will always try and do some type of um, local optimization of their current situation. And that is constrained by the people that they're in contact with, their peers, right? Their local peers. And so without, you know, because we're humans and we care about the people around us on average, typically, we'll try and optimize our best situation while trying to also minimize the kind of hurt to the others around us. And before the internet, you couldn't really do that globally um, because you were basically constrained by the people who are physically next to you, which means that you were probably limited by the social culture you were in. So, you know, the Southern are also always racist because there's a shitload of racism and cotton picking going down in the past. Right. So like that bred a culture of, of racism. And because you couldn't go outside that people tended to be racist. Now with the internet, you can be exposed to so much more. And so that same type of local optimization, if you will, can include a lot of different socioeconomic backgrounds or cultural backgrounds, things like that, so that you can kind of kind of spread things out nicely and include a lot of things, which which leads to more of a raceless environment. But it's going to take a long time. I mean, the fact that we have crypto growing more and more and more allows us to bring money into this situation as well, which I think is a very good thing, but mm -hmm. it's not one of those things that's going to happen in one or two generations. Right. And we're just seeing the, the starting effects of people understanding that racism still exists when we thought we eradicated it because we have the internet to show that crazy shit still happens. That's outside of the purview of your, you know, your local community. Mm hmm. Yeah, something that I would th I would throw in here, just reading from like the live stream here. There's an active discussion uh, here about uh, Islam, and and I, I actually like Lord. it's hard when you do these like diversity things because you bring all these different things and like people who like <laughs> come in here and they're like, yeah, we're gonna like we're gonna be great to everybody, and then you say something about a group and then they're like, I'm out, I'm out. No, this is no, everything has been invalidated. But no, I you know I've never said anything uh, to my knowledge that was offensive to Islam overtly online and like i identify with a conservative platform greatly but i've always taken a contention with that issue in, in no small part because i see how religious intolerance builds and i think that even if you don't like islam uh, which isn't the case for me but even if you don't like islam it's like it's like this uh 
malignancy that seems to really spread in society. So you have like one oppressed group that it's okay to pick on, like you can get so bad, so fucking fast. Um, but you know, like I think a lot of people are, are, are pointing out that the plight of uh, Muslims has been very, very difficult over the last 15 years in no small part because of what happened with 9-11 and um, Islamic terror and such. And you know, I think for whatever it's worth, okay, this is a longer conversation, I'll try and keep it short. Um, for me, the bigger issue in, in all of these conversations is this notion of objectification, which I don't see that as much in a lot of the prominent diversity discussion. And I don't know why, because I, I think that this was Martin Luther King's original mission was to reduce objectification. And there's a lot of problems that crop up when you objectify. So like the human brain is a form of computer, let's just say for this conversation. And when you're young, you get shown these pictures and you're like, okay, here's a mailman. And here's a cow. And we create this identity that is this sort of idealized form of that thing. And we ascribe all members of that category as being of that form. So if I then say like, this is a black man. And this happened to me at a young age. I, I remember um, having limited exposure to um, brown eyed people. And so today I didn't I'm show have a prejudice of any kind to my knowledge. Although perhaps I did. Let me finish the story. I went to the UK for the first time and I saw a man um, who had black skin, brown eyes, who had a British accent. And for me, that was like a very significant moment in my life because prior to that, my presumption was that all black people had that Southern dialect that I hear here in South Florida um, that is very common amongst people with black skin. But you, you sort of make this assumption that all are the same. And it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like you ever hear that discussed and how, and, and how de-objectifying people solves problems. So like, in the case of race and IQ, very, very contentious subject. The problem with making the assumptions that, that you know, these types of studies might suggest is that, okay, let's just say, let's just say that like there is on average a lower IQ amongst people with black skin, which by the way, um, orange skin people can't identify with that because Asians on average have a higher IQ than orange skinned people. So like it goes both ways. Okay, it's fine. It's understandably sensitive. But like, let's just say steps were taken. Like we had better education in primary schooling. We reduced recidivism rates and incarceration. There are more fathers in the home, these types of things. But what ends up happening is the change then becomes a, no longer an exception. It becomes less and less and less of an exception. It ends up being that the race and IQ might start to even out as these changes are made. But because the popular conception hasn't changed, then you are holding against the individual who has overcome that, um, macroeconomic like norm now that individual has to bear a burden that is not his to bear which is kind of like what you know I, I think i touched on earlier where in like you, you get called upon to defend like judaism or something where you're only you know maybe half jewish at best um then it's the same kind of thing so like i don't i don't know like what do you guys think about this objectification thing is is that is a return to that useful to you guys have you considered that do you need to think about it do you think that i should throw that out what am i missing mm. There's a lot in there. I get well, it. Yeah, that was a lot to unpack. There was a lot. To, so, do I think objectification is a is a net positive or a net negative? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? You, I think what I would ask is 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 stereotyping the issues that affect diversity is like is the bad guy to the best that we can identify this notion of treating individuals as beholden to a group, like if if you can take an individual, look at him, and make no presumption about him or her prior to interfacing does that focus remove 
a lot of the problems that are in society and certainly in the workplace, even, you know, as, as a function. Mm. Uh, yeah, I see. I say yes, but you take those conditions and then you take it to the long tail and you get to 1984 real fast. Everybody's wearing like gray single breasted suits and emotion is not a thing because they've eliminated objective qualifiers and like everybody's kind of the same. Um, I say it would be a net negative because I hate dystopian stories like that um, where there's no color and there's no. I don't mean color like a racist or a racial sense, but there's no color to life because we've stopped putting these identifiers on things and everything's just a gray and beige. Um, I don't think things would necessarily be better without objectification. Um, but that's just my opinion. Well, do you, do you think that a business, when I think of a businessman object or a business person object, what comes to mind? And is that a productive, like, do, for me, it's a person in a suit. And so then yeah, I think, okay, so, so when I think a of a, I, I, I see a person in a suit is, is effectively what I oh, think of when I think I of a business Diddy. object. I see Diddy every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing too, is like when people, you know, I think part of the reason diversity became such an issue to the degree that it did is it's kind of related to this sort of like playground at work atmosphere that became popular at the turn of the century where you went to Google or these dot-com companies and it was kind of like a continuation of like the individual in school or in play. And then people rejected the conformity of the business suit. And my, my guess might be that as a result of that rejection, we then had issues relating to assumptive identities in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But if they had all instead conformed in this 1984 way, might that have then increased the civility? Now, granted, I get that you lose a lot of the spirit and perhaps creativity, but then, like, where's the balance? Mm. They're all good, good questions. I mean, I don't want to throw the flow of things, but the only person in this, I think, not the only person, but Cello, you are straight down the middle, 50 black, 50 white. Captain, <clears throat> you're, you're pretty ambiguous. Do you feel any of these pressures whatsoever? Or are you just kind of like, Electric slide, like none of this. I mean, you haven't even spoke sp spoken up about your opinion on any of these things. Well, I mean, is this in the context of the space we're in, or is this in general? Because I don't we've, really we've stuck pretty general. I mean, we could tie it into crypto, but we've stuck general thus far. I mean, generally speaking, I don't really run into any barriers or hardships, or really have any observations. Um, I'm more of the orange man, like Chris. To be honest with you. Orange man, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> We've got another it. orange, orange man. This is three we know of: Chris DeRose, Donald Trump, and Marcello. I don't know. Yeah. People are different, man. <laughs> They're always going to be different, and you need to accept that difference because, like, like D said, it's the spice of life. Like, what's what? Yeah. How fun is life if everybody's doing the same damn thing? And you can't go through life without these archetypes that you kind of spoke about. Like, you grow up making archetypes, you can make decisions based on those archetypes so that you don't have to like think about every single fucking detail of everything you ever see. You can make decisions relatively quickly and get through life regularly pretty well. The main yeah. difference between, I think, like a racist and a reasonable person is their ability to meet somebody new and not automatically go with the flow of the archetype. 
they can accept the person for who they are, even if it's starkly different than the, what their archetype says about that person. Mm -hmm. And that's all I, I don't know. I don't know how you teach that, but it's, as a human, you're never going to get past that, in my personal opinion. That's always going to be the baseline of how we make decisions and get through life because things are getting more and more and more complicated. So we're going to need to start making more and more and more assumptions about the things around us to get through life without going crazy. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if you don't have a full range of human diversity or even just a small segment of it around you, it's going to be really easy to dismiss others, whether you're in the crypto space or in, in life in general. And if everyone around you is like you, it becomes uh, a simple matter to disregard the views, opinions, frames of reference, and uh, and ultimately the value of other groups. So I, I, I like to think that the, the podcast that we do is so successful because it's pretty much half black, half white. And uh, I, I think the diversity of thought is absolutely vital for for our success when we represent ourselves in public and um i think it's very vital for a healthy society within crypto and and in general yeah our network is diverse period come to think of it when you look at the people that make create the content on cool. all the shows on all our network so there was something that you said um uh, chris when you're talking about objectivity um when i think of objectivity automatically think of data. That's just where my brain takes it. The thing that I hate about that, though, is that data is useless without a narrative. And I feel that the crypto community doesn't seize, seize the opportunities to like create the narrative that's good. They always kind of just throw the data out there because most of, them, most of everyone in this community is, um, I don't know, technically inclined. And somebody who's purely technically inclined really doesn't give a shit about a narrative. They just care about what the numbers say and what the numbers mean, what they imply. Um, but we don't really seize the opportunity in, in around data like, what is it, 87% is white dudes in crypto, and then there's 13% left over that's female. You know, I don't, I don't know the, the gender, the, uh, the racial breakdown of the female population, but, and I know that's still good news because it used to be like 97% is, is white dudes. And now we're down 10%, 87%. And I don't, I feel like whenever you hear or see data like that, any sort of, um, I don't know, as you put it, identity data, uh, we don't seize the chance to, to turn that narrative positive. Like there's not enough r reports out saying like, Hey, it was 97% but it's 87% now. There's that many more people in this space. That uh, There's that much more diversity. And I think that that's just me being on a soapbox. I think this community could be better about controlling that narrative of that objective information. I think it's 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 too early to even care about it. You know, the, the, the movie Hidden Figures wasn't about the NASA space program. It was about a bunch of black women who became mathematicians and served in a vital role at NASA. And if NASA was only a year old, they wouldn't have made the movie about them. There needs to be time for, for a space to mature and to have an identity and figure out those problems. And then, you, you know, you can't have a, like a black blockchain meetup somewhere that doesn't solve anything. When you just segregate groups like that, this, the space is too early. The data is too early. And uh, I think it's all nonsense. I think we just need to wait. That's my opinion. 
Yeah, I think what you guys are describing, and uh, certainly Dimitrik, is this notion of framing and even reflexivity, which this almost starts to tie into crypto if we want to take it in that direction. Uh, but when you when you come to a stage and you say there are no women in Bitcoin or there are no black people in Bitcoin, whatever you're going to say, it it doesn't it doesn't actually promote that inclusion. What it seems to do is highlight the the lack of interest. And I think that that kind of is a self-fulfilling prophecy, it creates a feedback loop. And then everybody is of the mind that this is the status quo. And it seems to me, I don't like these segregation panels at all, because what ends up happening to me is it says that um, there's an inferiority here of some kind, or there is a, um, a lapse of some kind within this group. And it seems that it then only highlights stereotypes and it only encourages people to see these as aliens, as others, that they're not part of the whole. Uh, and I, I don't know that, I don't know that there are easy guidelines on how to avoid that. And I'm sure that that's very well studied elsewhere, but it, it just does, it seems very patronizing. And I think when it goes really bad, what ends up happening is you take people who are thoroughly underqualified uh, to be at these events and be in these places and then makes that person representative of the group. And then you're like, okay, so you pick, you pick somebody who's in way over their head, who is now speaking on behalf of a group affinity and just making an idiot out of a group when it could be an, an idiot out of just one person, maybe. So I, I've seen that happen time and time again in this space, and nobody's really willing to talk about that. And I get why, but that's one of the things that I, I kind of resent in a lot of these like diversity initiatives. I, you know, I, I like the idea of promoting to the underprivileged. That's a great idea. But yeah, you know, I, I, without getting into anything too, too like tough, like we had this notion of the minstrel show, you know, it was really not what? cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't wait. What's that about? <laughs> the minstrel show. I mean, like, yeah. okay. So like there's this notion of like the stereotype of a black man that was like, post-reconstruction era United States is where you have blackface and it's like vulgar and it's it's um it, what it does is otherize the group it says like this is not one of us because the, there's some identity is that of the exaggeration of their features in a presentation that is deformed and and like that's kind of where I see that heading as people are promoting like segregation and particularly in the name of a group that that would be my concern I get that that's a little bit a little bit extreme, but mm -hmm. that could be where it ends up, and I don't want to see that. And and if nobody says anything, that is kind of where it's probably going to end up going, which would be my concern. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of diversity in the space, um, and those who aren't in it probably don't want to be in it. And the uh, if you look at the total distribution of race, creed, color, sex, whatever it's probably a microcosm of the tech space in general. And I don't think that we're not like we're, we're offensively not looking at someone because the idea of at least open blockchain networks is, is a technology of inclusion. And because one of those percentages of people is a small portion of the entire distribution, doesn't mean they're a minority. It just means that that's the amount of people in that subculture that gives a shit about what we're doing. And to then make the narrative around, we need to make this, we need like, we'll take women, for example, that's kind of the canonical example. We need more women in the space. No, we need any woman who wants to be a part of the space able to join. And we don't just need more women. 
who gives a shit? If people would like to be a part of this community, they should be welcome into it, and we shouldn't try and cast them off. But we shouldn't force a sub-community into the space because their percentage is low across the total distribution. That's the wrong outlook. And I don't think, I mean, maybe I'm speaking from a place that doesn't understand the trials and tribulations of a, of a, of a, of a minority, but I don't think that we're really keeping people out, maybe outside of like fees rising in certain networks. So they literally can't use the network because their subculture is poor and we've mm. lost those use cases. That's a different story. But in terms of just like people being able to contribute or speak, I feel like we've been pretty welcoming. I mean, I, I've been, I don't, I personally give a shit what you are. I want to know what you can do or what you have done. And that's interesting to me. And then once I know that, the perspective of your background as a minority, if you are one, is interesting because you've probably been exposed to things that I don't understand from my background. So then that conversation becomes interesting. But forcing the background first, I think, is the wrong idea. And that's what the product is of like, you know, women panels or black panels or pushing these like we need these subcultures of groups to then fight for more space across the entire distribution. I, I say yes. I think that we, when you bring up these inclu inclusion events that are so specific to certain groups of people, I think that there's these like, I don't know, these connotations that it's kind of segregational. Um, I mean, cause it is at the base of it, but it, to me, if it's just, it's more inclusive when, okay, I'll just put it to you like this. It's just real as it gets. Is if I'm walking in a hotel and there's like two different conference rooms and they're both having blockchain like demos or come learn how to program on the blockchain and the break time on the room to the right, they're playing like, um, I don't know, like the countryest country singer of all time. And in the left, there's like, I don't know, some John Coltrane or or maybe some Busta Rhymes. I'm going to the one to the left because it's just I, I feel like that's where I'm going to learn better because I'm going to be a little bit happier. It's going to be cooler for me to go in there. And so, like, when you say it's an inclusion event has this bad vibe of it being segregational, but really it's just like, no, we're focusing an effort to include more different types of people and I got this lame saying from a speech that I heard is like, you don't, what well, you don't take over something, not take over it, but um, you don't, you don't boil the ocean. You, you storm the beach. Like you focus on one thing at a time and then well, you look up and it is more diverse and it is more inclusionary of, of different types of people. I don't know and what that saying that, means. Um, it's like you focus on one small thing <laughs> instead of oh, the okay. whole big ocean. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like it's a one thing to say, like, everybody can join this thing. Come on in. And if you're if you're on the beach, you're staring at the ocean. You're like, well, I mean, do I go in down there or like, do I go in over there? There could be jagged rocks over. There. I don't know. But no, you like you focus on one small part and these inclusion events, whether it be gender or race or whatever, is just focusing on that one small part and exposing them with ease and less friction. And right. then I, here's, here's like a, 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 I, mean, I don't know, maybe an argument to what you just said. Then in terms of like, if you saw those two rooms and the two different musics playing in terms of like a workshop, you'd go to the one that's playing 
more along the lines of what you're used to and what you'd like to be a part of, mm-hmm. right? And that's Turn fine. music. Absolutely. Cool. Now, Crap what music. if someone walks into that room and said, there needs to be a shitload more orange people in here because it's say, not diverse? The right. thing that I would say is, what do orange people listen to? Let's put that on the radio. Do they? It, no, they don't. They don't really care about this music, but they need to be a part of this discussion because they're Orange not represented people listen to polka. here. We're very big on polka. <laughs> very big on polka. Cello is cello is that true? Cello, you are you big on polka? I'm more of a bluegrass man myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's, that's the same. That's the same situation, right? That's the same situation of people saying there needs to be more women. There needs to be more black people. There needs to be more X in well, crypto or whatever. I get a lot of trouble for my views on women, but I don't mind voicing them. And one of the problems I have with a lot of the favoritism of women as a minority is, number one, this may not be from a low socioeconomic status, this group of people. And it also may not be from a place where there is high unemployment amongst that group. And so, like, I think when you, like you're saying, we need to get more women in. Well, what, what if unemployment, you know, or un or at least uh, what, if, what if the interest level amongst women um, is just very, very low? Like you can't force them. You, the, the universe will not provide that. Meanwhile, you know, what if there's like Native Americans that want to come and uh, they can't afford a ticket to go or some such thing? Like I, I, I think it's very dangerous when the policies aren't really, you know what? I mean, this is what gets into my main, like the, the other big thing that I think is a problem is the intolerance. The intolerance to discussion uh, the intolerance of consideration. Um, and I think that, yeah, when, when we have some of these, some, some people in the space who are constantly promoting women, um, what they'll end up doing is probably creating more resentment over that group as more and more people see them as not socioeconomically disadvantaged and taking opportunities away from such groups, which would then probably not even help uh, the group that is women to begin with. I mean, but, there's, uh, there's yeah. a positive, there's a positive to creating these subgroups of people that, that kind of try and promote the work towards people of their subgroup to join because like, I don't know, just like D said, if he heard a workshop that, you know, if he had to choose between two, one of them was playing music that he enjoyed, he'd go to that one. You're going to go to the thing you identify with. And if you are a part of a minority, you would probably like to be around people like you. I mean, that's just, it's a human nature, right? We want to be, we want to be around people that are more like us so we can kind of relate to them and share our stories together. It's easier. It's always, it's always going to be the path of least resistance. And so by creating these types of things, you are enabling people who may be interested to be exposed to these things and find out where otherwise, if they have to get over some type of social barrier to join the space, they may never do it in the first place. Well, you know, something I would just throw out there real quick. I don't know that I accept that the John Coltrane has to be a black identity no. uh, music of any kind. Like, cause John I, have Coltrane, a, I have an album yeah. myself and listen to it all the time. And I'm white as they come. The other solution, I mean, this is very political. The other solution is to stop identifying by these uh, ethnicities and just be American. Like, why can't John Coltrane just be great American music? Because identifiers are a context and you need them. Um, they're the basis of individuality and without them, there's less room for different thoughts. And then everyone turns into a circle jerk easily without diversity of background. And you have no frame of reference by which to evaluate the quality of an idea, because at the end of the day, many, many things in the world are subjective. So if this was a, uh, you know, a, 
a Motown movement or a, a white bluegrass movement or whatever, we need to give context to that. Identifiers are important. Well, yeah, yeah I get that. But like in the name of like willful ignorance, again, like what, what is better? Should we celebrate like Harriet Tubman as a great black person or as a great American? Because I feel like if we, if we ascribe that identity to the American identity, then yeah. in my mind, at least Americans will see her as one of their own rather than yeah. someone from the others. But in I the context of slavery, she's, she's got to be. Oh, you, that, you have, yeah. Isn't so that what makes her a great American, though. Like, I think once again, you know, take away friction. You, ideal world. You know, maybe, yeah, she is. She is a great, uh, great American. But um, in the real world, she's a great black American. That's just that's the way it is. And sorry, I'd be letting down my family name if I didn't say uh, black uh, jazz is black music. Um, just want to let the audience know and get as upset as you want to. Um, but we we <laughs> invented that and it changed the world. So we're definitely keeping that close to the heart. That is our music. You're very welcome. Um, Dimitri, though, I have to ask you, and with all due respect, does the allegiance that you have to your family's um, identity take away from the integration that you will experience as an American? Like, is that the opportunity cost of that allegiance? Mm, maybe, but from my experience uh, in America, um, as long as you're trudging up on the socioeconomic ladder, race tends to be less of an issue anyways. So as long as it's like, I mean, and let me take that back. The more educated you are, the less race is a big deal. That's why it's not really a big deal in my family. Um, just my, just speaking personally, my family had were relatively high educated, so I think we don't necessarily. Race tends to be a conversation. How are we pushing our own forward in our houses rather than how are we being held back? That's just I can only speak to the Ferguson family, um, but. Uh, you know, I, mean, I recognize the sensitivity on like heritage that is clearly affecting black communities, but mm -hmm. I also kind of feel like the concession and maybe you don't see it this way and maybe I'm just wrong, but like the concession is that black people have defined the American identity. Like there's nobody so American as a black person who, <gasps> has, who has been here, like and it's yeah. reflected in the music and that's reflected in the culture. And so while I get that, like, I may have an Italian heritage that I could draw from or Jewish heritage that I could draw from or these things. I can't draw from the same level of Americana that many black families can. As an Irish and, man, I take offense. And, really. and that's at least I something. Don't, I, don't I, I don't know offense. why that doesn't get celebrated more. But and I guess, uh, It's interesting you mentioned that. That kind of goes deep. Um, America loves black culture. There's no, you know, you don't have to. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you don't have to. That, there, you don't need science the for that. World, I mean, maybe we does. do. I was but, in Amsterdam and they're playing nothing but American music that is primarily sung by black artists in like the, the coffee shops in Amsterdam, like not all of them, but many yeah. of them. And so like at some level, like that is the voice of America now, which I thought was kind of cool. You mentioned that and observe that. Um, it's true. America loves black culture and it's very defined and different than around the world. Um, uh, you know, if you take, you pluck me out of San Antonio, Texas and toss me like in Africa, it's going to be very prevalent. Like this guy is not from Africa. <laughs> this guy is an American black dude. Look at his face and look at his glasses. <laughs> like they're just going to know. Um, I mean, that's a cool observation. Um, but that, that in, you're right. That in and of itself does restrict my existence here is that because 
our culture is so popularized, um, all preconceived notions whenever I meet new people are automatically taken, like Corey, as you mentioned earlier, it's taking their thoughts and patternizing them on how to react to me being a black American. And that's just something that I know and I live with. So that's just, I mean, it doesn't bother me, but. Like remember I was I said, hey D, Black Panther was a good movie. You said that's not a movie, sir. That was a cultural moment. It was, man. That movie was great. Um, no, sorry, that movie wasn't very good. But <laughs> it, it from a mo- from a movie perspective, like it was like, oh, it's a superhero movie. That guy um, loses his powers, gets it back, fights and wins. Yay! It happens every time. No spoilers. But, yeah. Oh, spoiler alert! Don't Black spoiler. Panther. Don't spoilers. Black Panther wins in Black Panther. No, spoiler sure. alert. Oh, um, the, uh, oh never mind. <laughs> anyways, um, it was a big moment in cultural history because one, it's your first like popular, high budget. Like the cast was ninety some odd percent black. Uh, we got a black hero. Like growing up, like the the hero that I wanted to be like was like Cyclops because he was the leader of the X Men. And he wasn't that great, but he could throw some kicks and punches, and he was the guy who had all the heart. And I was like, "Cool," but that guy's not black. Like, I got, now a, I got a question. Up and they have a black hero. So, so like, what's up? So, Black Panther was a, a a strong step forward for the representation of black people in the Marvel universe. Uh, Wonder Woman was the same thing for women. But uh, if you say maybe objectively speaking, these movies aren't very good. Does that mean you hate black people and women? Yes. What? I'm, t- I'm kidding. I was joking. You guys are so serious. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was so serious. I just had to, I had to just bring it for a second. No, I mean, objectively. So, like, because, like, so, so someone outside of that community who's like, who cares? They then may be pinned as someone who doesn't like, the, like what that did for that subculture. So it's, it's big in a group of in, – in a community – but on the broader scale, more general, generally speaking, it may not be good. So what's more important? Well, my hope is that we've had uh, the Pink Panther, we've had the Black Panthers, and I'm hoping for an Orange Panthers movie now that we have an orange president. Let's see if our people get to tell <laughs> their side of the story. Who else, who else is a part of your no. community? I'd be curious to know other people you identify with. I don't know. Guys, put comments below if you know any orange people, particularly in blockchain. I'd like to know. Uh, we got one cello here. We got cello. We got two. Uh, I heard carrot tops come out with a coin. So we there got you three. Go. Carrot top coin. What the hell do, do, you know, do? do you know carrot top has a really interesting multi-ethnic story? Long story made short, you can look up carrot top. The comedian in Florida was named after uh, a man who was, uh, I think one of the first, I, I don't forget his exact claim to fame, but he was, like, he was like abandoned after one of the wars. He was picked up by the Miami Indian tribe. He then married Native Americans. He fathered Native American children. And he ended up an ambassador to uh, the Native American community from uh, Washington and had his home mm-hmm. here in Miami. And, and it, that whole story is actually really fascinating. And uh, it's a really cool. They can make a Disney movie out of it because like, like that kind of a story is a cool American hero because there, there's a real like melting pot story for Carrot Top, the original, not, not two. He's uh, Jack, too. So that helps. What the second one is. Yeah. Yeah. The original one was from like the 1700s, and he was named yeah. after that guy. Apparently. I kind of feel bad for the audience, though, both the live audience listening and our audience by the time they get to hear it. Is like we didn't talk about crypto a lot. Do you, so. do you, we have time to talk about crypto? I mean, it's like do we? minutes it's, in. Do, so we I don't really have any time constraints here. We can do whatever we want. 
Yeah, it's a podcast. Okay. We can do. You guys are at our mercy. Do so. you want to introduce the crypto identity stuff, or should I? I think that's an interesting concept because, like, everything that we just talked about could be ported over to the cryptocurrency world, and I think we should dive into that. That'd be yeah. that'd be interesting to me. Right yeah. before you do tie that in, Chris, with an excellent segue, I'd like to say that on our network we say adoption is the only thing that matters. And it's interesting is that as we have more adoption of more humanity, these conversations come up naturally. They do, because I think it's a good sign overall for the, where the community's headed, because like we're stepping outside of the realm of just very focused, highly technical conversations, and we're drawing more general conversations into what how the community makes that up. So I thought that was a good thing to point out. The floor is yours. Go for I'm it. I'm getting the beer up here. Right yeah. So I don't think people quite know the role of technology and identity. And it's interesting how I've seen it pour, transpire over the years. There was in my youth, the Apple user and the PC user. And these were identities that you, you opted into. And if you were an Apple user, the enemy was IBM. And if you were IBM, I don't know who the enemy was. Probably nobody. But um, the Apple user was the minority group in that case. And so like you had, you had something to prove and you, you oftentimes had uh, just a burden to bear as a result. And then you fast forward and the open source movement kind of starts. And then before you know it, you have the operating systems of Linux now introduced alongside Windows and, and then eventually OS X and the Apple products. But people who would uh, identify with these technologies ended up forming little communities and they created safe spaces. You know, these, these little magazines, like Apple Magazine is a safe space for Apple users or an Apple community group. There's no, there's no like PC people that generally get tolerated to any significant degree in an Apple community group or a Linux group, same kind of thing. And then now here we are in the crypto space and it is like that times 10. I've, I've never seen a technology consume people's identities to the degree that I see it here in crypto, which I think is super bullish for the entire space. But it causes the craziest problems, uh, yeah. so much so that like you, you generally, you know, and obviously today I've been battling on Twitter between uh, the Bitcoin Cash group, uh, who best I can tell is an outgroup minority versus the Bitcoin, uh, I, I'm calling it Bitcoin Chris at this point because I'm not allowed to call it Bitcoin Core. So I'm going to call it Bitcoin Chris and let's see if that pisses more people off or less. And uh, <laughs> so there's Bitcoin Chris, which is the Bitcoin that is not Bitcoin Cash. And that's the in-group majority group. Um, as of today, there's a six to one ratio roughly of in-group to out-group members. And the nature of the dialogue, because there's no sensitivities on the identity issues and because there's no like training and because we're just fucking savages in crypto anyways, I guess. Um, <laughs> fucking savage. Yeah. <laughs> what happens is, is this process of otherization where the others are the people who are not us. It is xenophobia. And the Bitcoin cash identity does not deserve the level of respect that we, we we reserve for humans. And it's very much a repeat of like all these crazy identity politics <laughs> things that we've seen over the years and centuries even. And I don't know, there, there isn't enough civility in my mind as a focus right now. And I don't think that's good personally. But right. I, I think that's the inner that's the introduction to identity. Now you guys, okay, you guys take it from there. Let's see what I doing. have I have a I have a personal opinion on the the sh strong differentiation between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Chris, if you will. Uh, so, like, the, what started all of this, in my opinion, was a strong push for some type of ideology. Uh, there's a strong ideology to, you know, against the government, damn the man, all about inclusion, so on and so forth. Um, and Bitcoin, 
in its origination embodied a lot of this. And so people like Roger Ver, who, and, and the cypherpunks and all the people who aligned with that ideology fell into Bitcoin really quickly because it enabled them to use Bitcoin as a vehicle to push their ideology. Um, slowly but surely, the network grew and the technology didn't fit that hold anymore. It became uh, difficult to use. Now, that may be because the people who use it kind of constrained it in some way. But either way, the, like, the utility of the vehicle didn't fit the ideology anymore. Thus, you have a split with Bitcoin Cash. And so they they needed to use a vehicle to push the ideology of kind of what kind of that narrative that initially started bitcoin and from a technical perspective there are different ways in which you can scale the network and those who don't care about that ideology scale it in a different way and so they just branch off and i feel like bitcoin cash is the embodiment of the original cypherpunk ideology but may not end up being a technically wise way to scale things. So like, what's more important, the ability for the technology to scale to actually provide utility to people later on down the line when all these things are ubiquitous and the background to help people exchange value or pushing the ideology as much as possible. You want me to take that up or Derek, you take that? I'm still trying to gather my thoughts. Well, I mean, for me, I, I saw that whole thing happen, the split of the community. For me, the way I've characterized it in my narrative has been that there is an incumbency uh, that is, in my mind, uh, a just one. I, I, like the, I like the Bitcoin Chris incumbency. I do. Uh, now, I, I also think that at times that incumbency was a bit more stodgy and conservative than the newcomers would have liked. And what I think happened is you had this sort of anti-identity group that started. Um, the anti, anti, what do they, ha- what do they call it in the UK? Anyways, the, um, the anti-group identity that started. And anybody who had any bone to pick with the incumbency just started to get picked up under the umbrella of Bitcoin Cash mm-hmm. as the uniting force that was defined by the oppressor, oppressors that are uh, the incumbents, which is a very classic like political like almost as like rote, I think, as it gets for any political movement. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that exactly gets into like the, the sort of nature of what the ideals are. But like for me, what I thought I saw with cash, and this will be, you know, political, maybe more political than the, the race stuff. Um, the first principle is that the incumbency has to go. And then by, by virtue of that first principle, um, narr- narratives must be reconstructed such that anything that they propose is bad. So we saw that with SegWit, we saw that with Lightning Network. It doesn't seem to me that the anti-incumbency uh, group, Bitcoin Cash, necessarily believed SegWit was bad. What they necessarily believed was that the incumbency was bad, and then they retroactively created a narrative why SegWit mm-hmm. was bad. And, and they did the same thing, I think, with Lightning Network. I and, agree 100%. And, and so I think that they then also took what was perceived as community virtue in the form of um, you know, I, I guess, you know, the libertarian appeals and things like that is part of that narrative. But it seems to me that that's how that thought process worked. I'd agree 100 percent. 100 percent. I mean, just speaking generally about the community is like I think if you're a sociologist right now, you could be just eating it up and just study the hell out of the crypto community. <laughs> I mean, just just go to town, study after study. Um, I think the biggest folly of this community is we try to act we're not as human as we are um but 
it just is what it is. And people are falling, like Corey, you mentioned right before you started recording, these, this tribalism is just grabbing hold where you have completely irrational uh, disengagement from a certain group of people because you don't like the symbol of the coin that they said that they kind of liked. Or you don't like their technology that works, but you just you just don't like it. Like, ah, I just don't like it. And I mean, nothing works. Let's be honest. Careful, Corey. We can't be blowing bubbles. We can't be bursting bubbles. Right. It, it works within a context, right? We have a certain level of scale, <laughs> but on a global perspective and what we think this thing is supposed to be doing yeah. later on down the line, we're nowhere near it. And we have some serious hurdles to get through. So Tron my, works. Yeah. In my personal opinion, Tron works. <laughs> Tron works. <laughs> uh, who gives a shit what your ideology is? If, 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 if the technology doesn't work, you can't push anything. Your vehicle has no wheels to move on. And well, you should be focused on these things so that we can make the technology work so you can push whatever ideology you want. I tweeted about this today, and I said that it used to be that Bitcoin was united by in math we trust, and now I feel as if it's united by in God we trust. And that, that's a that's a inflammatory tweet, intentionally so. And it got the results, I thought. But it seems to me that the ideology is a big part. The humans, like, they... they they rally around a central idea. So like the ideology of Christianity was something that united people or the ideology of any religion or the ideology of the state. Um, it may be in sociological terms that there isn't really a big difference between nations and religions. And, and this notion of civil religion gets into this, which if you want to look into it, it's fascinating. Like we have Memorial Day coming up in America and like, what's the difference between Memorial Day and Day of the Dead? Well, not, not exactly all that much. It may be that functionally that is the same function to people. It is a remembrance of, of the, the people that have gone past. We have these allegiances that are very much like prayers. Um, and, and you get into this notion of like beliefs that exist because enough people believe them. So when it comes to things like scaling, then it could be said that if enough people believe in the idea, scaling could be possible if only because we can do things like mutate the chain. Like we could, we could say, well, we're going to delete old UTXOs that have already been spent or we can say like okay we're going to compress the blockchain in some new way that completely breaks consensus in a technical perspective but that doesn't bother anybody and you saw that with like ethereum with ethereum classic where like they could just kind of drop the tenant of unstoppable code because it was costing them too much money and like that would that would that was never in the white in the yellow paper of ethereum or anything it was just that enough people believed it thus it was made so and that would that would be an example of the power of ideology and we can lament what that means for the space or, or not, I don't really know, but I think that's the function of ideology. Um, and that's also what George Soros calls this reflexivity, uh, this notion that in many stocks, if, if the spirit of the stock is, is alive and well, or the asset class is infectious, then the price of it will go up. And before you know it, it's real. And in a lot of ways, that's, that's like true for a lot of things like uh, borders of nations. Like, why is there a border the where it is between Canada and America? Well, there's a huge history and there are all kinds of battles and there were like arguments and such. And then when everything settled down and all the tempers kind of calmed down, enough people believed that that's where the line went and that's where the map was drawn and we've had no reason to change it since. Well, that's, and, isn't, isn't that what we've been talking about the entire time? Like the, yeah. an identity is yeah. literally the alignment with a, with a given ideology. And, Maybe and that is based, what you just said, on historical context. So we can't get rid of it. 
Well, that's why I say, like, why be black then? Like, like, why then do we want to increase that that reflexivity effect? And, like, why not be orange? Like, does that increase the reflexivity? Like, it's conceivable that if this plan works, like, the orange identity is going to be, like, a question on, like, the U.S. Census in 150 years. And there's going to be some class of people who are fully convinced they're orange. You hope so much. <laughs> you want it so bad, but I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I don't think um, so Oh, it's it's not all just race either. Then you have ability, age, orientation, so on and so forth. Um, like when we were at, I think it was DevCon three. There was a trans speaker. All right, I have I have the, strong opinions here. Go ahead, Jello. Sorry, I was just going to make an observation. I, I I never knew who this person was, but before she could even get, I'm sorry, before she could even get into her speech, there was laughter in the crowd. And I think, and I think half of I think half of the people who paid a thousand dollars for a ticket and flew to Mexico disregarded what she had to say just because of who she was. So if we're going beyond race, there's also a whole bunch of other factors that the space needs to be more mature on. And Corey, I, you know, I never did ask you. You know, I'm sure all the points you had were more valid than some of the other people on that uh, docket. You're so. speaking about rain, rain right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she's so, been on the show before. She's a sweetheart. I love that girl. Absolutely yeah, love so that girl. She's, as a thing, though, it's like she is a wonderful contributor to the space. I don't really give a shit what she identifies as because it's outside the context of what I care about in this space. She can do whatever she wants. That has no effect on her ability to contribute to the space. Um, And, like, I don't know, like, the, the whole, like... uh sexual identification I have maybe interesting opinions on based on biology like there are certain things in which you are as a human in terms of your genetics and there are certain things in which you feel which are influenced by the environment you grew up in and the things that the experiences that happen to you Mm -hmm. should you be able to say you are not that biological thing or should we even care? Mm. That's a that's a right? good one. And so, like this is this is this this goes straight <laughs> into the transgender scenario, right? Like some people may like there there are edge cases, there are mutations, there are anomalies. Should we make an entire social class for anomalous behavior? Mm. Well, we have hermaphrodites. Like the, everyone forgets about the hermaphrodites. And You're right, but that's that's an anomaly. That's a that's that's a yeah. genetic mutation that is anomalous. It but, may also be true for for trans people. There's not that many of sure, them. Sure, but do if we she, create social structures for anomalous behavior? Everybody say, okay, you're an anomaly. We'll treat you as one, but that I has nothing to do with your ability to contribute to whatever you'd like to contribute with. I don't really give a shit what you identify as, because it's outside the purview or kind of. It doesn't affect this space. So who gives a shit? Well, would you would you care though if she said, as a transgender person, I thought we should approach it this way, or I think this way. As a as a black CEO, I thought we should do it this way, which a lot of people do approach uh, problems that way. Yes, uh, and then that is maybe, important. It's almost like we can't bring it up, but it's okay if they bring it up. Well, here's here's the reason why it's okay for them to bring it up they may have life experience that people outside of that experience can ever relate to. And you need to take that into context if you would like to try and solve problems and not create echo chambers. Because 
like we said earlier, if you get a small amount of people trying to solve problems, they're never going to solve problems outside of their experiences. So if you make a subgroup and they're the ones that are creating a technology that's supposed to serve everyone in the world, if they aren't listening to the problems of people outside their subgroup, they're never going to solve things that will affect those people. And so you should listen to the types of problems, scenarios, ideas, perspectives of everyone outside of what you personally know and try and make something that works for them too. Yeah. You know, my two cents on this, because I've spent a lot of time on this, um, humanity is really weird in the sense that the more oppression you face, the more knowledge you gain in, in weird ways about how society works. And like we see this, as we discussed earlier, with black people and music. They have the most beautiful music as a result no small part a result of the oppression that they faced. And I see that same exact pattern happening with trans people right now. If you get the privilege of talking to a trans person about love, you will get a crazy side of the world you never knew existed. It will probably impact you on a very deep level and give you more questions than answers, uh, but also should be understood as a beneficial thing. Like it's it, that knowledge is secret knowledge that like we will never have that like rain had to endure the shame, the judgment, uh, and all of these things in order to learn. Like that is what she gets for that burden. So it, it, life is weird that way. I don't know. Nobody knows why it works that way, but it just seems like that's a common pattern. Mm. That's when diversity goes well, like out of the park, like you just knock it out of the park. It's usually those types of things that happen. And it's sad because like someone really has to sacrifice to get that knowledge. And yeah. they're usually great people that do, but like the world, that's how the world benefits in my experience yeah. that I've seen. I think that um, what to speak to your point there, Chris, about like oppressors or uh, having a history of oppression or whatever, it does create uh, very unique lenses uh, because there's identifiers. We we said that word a lot, identifiers, but because um, this whole damn thing is about identity. But there's like intrinsic identifiers and there's extrinsic ones too. And I think that the less that a society has these boundaries that maybe aren't written, but there definitely are boundaries. Those are kind of like extrinsic identifiers. Like I can't, I can't control what society may think or may not think about me. I can only control the intrinsic identifier that I, what I identify with internally. And different groups of people have to deal with the reality that their extrinsic identifiers are going to mold their reality. What about that white chick that tried to be black? Huh? What about that white chick that tried to be black? Yeah, How do you feel about you that. See the article on her in Jet Magazine. There is a there's a, there's a Netflix documentary on her. Apparently, yeah, it's pretty. I just watch that. Uh, how do I feel about her? Um, I like, mean, she read a lot of books. Like you said, right? Like there 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 are <laughs> there are extrinsic and intrinsic identifiers. Like you can't change yeah. your 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 skin color. How do you feel if I were to say I'm a black person? That's how would I feel? No. Uh, Depends on how much we've had a drink, Corey. You're cool people. I know you for the majority of my life now. So, like, um, I can identify with the black community, but it, can I still say I'm black? N no, no, you can't. You better watch it saying you can identify with the black <laughs> community too, because like that's say what? Very dangerous, <laughs> very dangerous road to go down. Very dangerous. <laughs> I, I grew up. I mean, I, my 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 background in high school, like I was I was probably a minority in my high school in terms of white people. Oh, so and that's okay. So that's I was I was exposed to the black yeah. community and kind of all, and I and I and I enjoyed it. That doesn't make me black. It just makes me understand the community a little better because I have experience inside of it. 
right? My local community had nodes of people that had experiences outside of like white affluence. So I have more experience there. And so I can identify with the types of things that there's a word for like, uh, I think it's mean, like the mimetic of, of a culture, right? The things that you pass around within a given culture that everyone in that culture identifies with. I might be sympathizing more than identifying. I don't know. You would maybe know. I don't know. Like I, 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 I understand it. I can see it. It's not, it's not, it doesn't go over my head. And so because of that, when something happens, I can laugh and say, Hey, that was funny. And like, yeah, that was funny. I'm glad you understood that. Right. And that's, that's that head nod that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea is that if, if you're continuously expanding your worldview, you get exposed to the experiences of more and more and more and more subcultures, which allows you to think outside the box more and more and more. If you don't ever do that, then you're just going to stay in echo chambers. Or if you if you mm-hmm. fight it, you're just going to stay in echo chambers, which doesn't progress anything. There's like I don't think there's a. I hope you can give me an example. I don't think you can, of an echo chamber being positive. I think of echo chambers as orthodoxy and an extremism, and yeah, I agree. I don't. They're not positive. They become xenophobic. I can think of one example, but it's like for science, if you're studying echoes. It would further our knowledge of echoes. <laughs> Thank you, D. You're welcome. You asked for one, I gave you All one. All right, you did it. Well done. <laughs> well done, sir. Should we should we no. end should we wrap up this episode? I feel like we really did a good job of t- tackling stuff that this is fun. I'm, 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 you know, talk about. I'd say yeah. I had been listening to Bitcoin about. Uncensored for a, a long time, and I have always called you the jerky boy, especially when it was you had you had. Um, the guy John on Seth. Here. Yeah, John Seth. You were the jerky boys of Bitcoin because you 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 yeah. you you pushed the boundaries of what people were trying to talk about, and you purposefully try and try to play on those types of like, faux pas. I always wondered the day that I was on this show what it was going to be like, and I never thought <laughs> it would have been about race and identity. <laughs> Thanks for the weird tweet, Chris. Yeah. yeah, I just so happened to be just as bored as you when I was Wonderful. like, black people don't exist. I guess I'm going to have to go into this. <laughs> <laughs> so see what I mean, though? He's the he's the jerky boy of the yeah. space. He, he yeah. purposefully creates things that are inflammatory so that people respond to them and have to address the situation. That's a yeah, positive. I do that a lot. I, I hope this means you'll listen to us now. It doesn't always work. Yeah. Sometimes it blows up on my face. Do we have a new fan? <laughs> I hope we have a new fan. Well, yeah. he spelled our Twitter name wrong, so I'll, I'll let that oh, slide. Oh, but at least, at, least, <laughs> at least listen to us from time to time. Well, yeah, I'm, you guys are great. This is fun. Uh, we got to collaborate more as best we can, and I look forward to meeting you guys at a conference or something, and I yeah, enjoyed yeah. this very, very much. Good deal. And well, guys, you want to do like a sign-out? You want to tell everybody where to find oh, out more about y'all? Yeah, well, you're going to hear this uh, on our show after – I mean, obviously, there's a live stream going on right now. You didn't hear that part. Uh, and you didn't take place in the conversation in that live chat, but uh, if you, you're hearing our show, cool. Uh, for those of you listening to Chris's show, um, you know, thanks for tuning in. We also have a show at the Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, every Sunday we release a show, and then our network. Um, there's a litany of other shows that come out throughout the week. Evan Vanessa's on there. DJ and Yes, Rieslin, Mark. Um, I hope I'm not missing Colin. Corey, you have a new show with Colin called Hashing It Out. We do a lot, Chris. So this I know you do. 
You can holla at us, and I can say that because my dad's black. <laughs> <laughs> holla, 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 holla. All right, guys. Um, hey, you-